Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Gina Caminetti. I'm Pastor Joe's wife. He is taking a study week this week, and uh, so he will not be here. He will be here next week. We're going to finish up our series on hashtag goals, and this day we're going to talk about hashtag giant goals. These are the things that are real, real big that we want to accomplish, and they aren't going to get done overnight, so we're going to need a little bit of faithfulness, a little bit of patience, a little bit of an endurance to get through. And so sometimes those things come upon us and are imposed upon us, these giant goals. Maybe you have a huge project at work or at school, And sometimes we just get super ambitious and we want to take on a giant-sized goal. And so we're going to talk a little bit about how to get this done without getting distracted. Now, my sister, Lori, who's sitting in the front row, and I, when we were were twins and when we were growing up in grade school, we had a giant-sized goal imposed upon us. I wonder if you're going to remember this, but Mom and Dad were having a dinner party at our home and it was going to be hosted in the basement. Do you remember this? And they said, she doesn't. I will never forget this because they said, we want you to get the basement cleaned for the party tonight. That would sound reasonable, one might think, right? What you don't know about this basement is this was our hangout, and it wasn't exceptionally clean to begin with. It was a disaster area. We were kind of afraid of the basement, so when mom would say, Uh, go to get the laundry or go bring this back down or go put this away, we would just run down there, throw something on the pool table and run back up. It was also filled with snacks from days gone by. There were glasses of what was once chocolate milk sitting there, growing little organisms. Um, And so if, if you're starting to get the picture. Now, also in those days, Lori and I had not exactly honed in on our cleaning skills the way we have since then. So if mom would send us into our room, do you remember this? She'd send us into our room to clean it, we would start by emptying the drawers. Sounds logical, right? We had a treasure trove of stuff in the drawers, it was packed full, and the reason we didn't even know what was in there is because the stuff we wore every day was on the floor. And so we would find tons of stuff, we would just start emptying the drawers, and we'd find stuff to play dress up in, and then we'd stand on the bed and look in the mirror with our dress up clothes, and we'd start jumping on the bed, but the room never got clean. So we brought that technique with us into basement cleaning that day, and along the side of the wall, the width of the entire wall was a toy box that was built into the wall, and all kinds of toys that we hadn't really played with in years were in there. So we decided, let's clean out the toy box first. So we pulled out all the toys, and you can guess what happened next. We start playing, we put on record albums and start dancing all over the place. And Somehow this happened. Mom must have been so busy getting the upstairs house ready and the food that she never checked on us all day. So when Dad got home, you really don't remember this? Okay, when Dad got home, (laughs) he was not happy. And neither was Mom because we had company coming over and that place was worse than when he had left that morning. 
So you never saw two girls get more motivated and two parents get more motivated to clean that basement. And I mean, we, we stuffed stuff from the front room to the back room. We hid things in cracks and crevices. We swept, we mopped, and we got that basement ready for a dinner party in no time. So the problem we have when we take on giant-sized goals is that most human beings, we have just this little problem in areas that we're not real fond of doing with procrastination. And the problem with procrastination is the longer the time clock ticks, the worse the problem gets and the harder the solutions are to find. And we don't do a very elegant job in, in getting the goal met. So we're going to talk about how to break giant-sized goals down into little pieces. A man named Creighton Abrams Williams Jr., his mom named him that, believe it or not, and he became a very important man because he was a colonel in the United States Army during Vietnam. He coined a phrase saying, when eating elephants, take one bite at a time. And so he knew that even in something as urgent and huge a matter as winning wars, you had to be able to break it down into bite-sized pieces and take it on one step at a time. And, you know, you can tell people who can do this with elegance. My mother-in-law was a person like this. She had seven boys. She had to iron clothes. She had to pack lunches. She had to keep the house clean for this huge family. And that woman did it with elegance. Now, she did throw a few shoes at their heads occasionally. She got very good at aiming. But, uh, but for the most part, she did it with elegance. And you learn from people like that that there are all kinds of little tricks that they have. Like, for instance, I learned from my mother-in-law that every time you use the shower every day, you wipe it down with your towel after. And that keeps it from having to scrub scum off of it after a long period of time goes on. So as a mom, I thought it would be good to, since I have honed in on my cleaning tips, I thought it would be great to harass my children with the little elegant tips I have learned over the years. So I constantly am giving them a barrage of this type of advice. Like, you know, if you would just rinse your dish and wash it, stick it in the dishwasher every time you use one, guess what? We wouldn't have a sink full of dishes at the end of the day. Or if you would just put your clothes away when you're trying on outfits, just put them away as you're taking them off, you wouldn't have a mountain of them left at the end of the week. How about this one? If you would just dump your purse every day, you could sort out the trash and all the stuff in there and you wouldn't be carrying something that weighs 50 pounds around all week. And the list goes on and on and they roll their eyes. But the idea is that as you get older and wiser, hopefully you're learning how to take on giant-sized goals and break it down into bits. So we're going to be working with this phrase today. Is there something you can do today, now, that will help you later? We're going to call it, bring the wow to your now. Bring the wow to your now. And this will help you be more elegant in your giant-sized goals and accomplishing them. All right, so... There are going to be three things that we're going to cover today. I'm sure there's many more of them, but we're going to cover three main things that have helped me kill the giants in my life, achieve the giant-sized goals. And we'll, to make it easy to remember, we'll call it the triple A's of giant killing. You know, when uh, Joe and I uh, have this triple A thing for our car, so if the tire goes flat or you run out of gas or the battery dies, something like that, you call triple A and it, when you get off course. So if you get off course in your goals, in your giant size goals, you can remember these triple A's. Okay, the first one is going to be ask God. 
The second one is going to be adjust your attitude, and the third one is going to be avoid boredom. We'll talk about all three of those. Okay, so we're going to bring the wow to our now. So the first thing is ask God. The Bible says in Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that just means that if you don't really acknowledge God in your goal setting and your goal accomplishing, you really aren't going to walk in the wisdom that you could be walking in. You know, because let's face it, not all goals are created equal. There are evil goals out there. Did you know there's some evil goals? I mean, Hitler proved that, right? There's some foolish goals. You know, most teenagers prove that out once in their lifetime. Maybe their goal is to show the gang that they can you know, drink the most alcohol without passing out, uh, that the foolish goal. Uh, sometimes goals just go amiss, that they're just the wrong goals, period. Maybe somebody could have a really fulfilling life and a fulfilling career doing something they're very wired to do, but they're smitten with some movie star and they wanna em that they want to emulate, so they pursue the goal of having a, being rich and famous, and, and they miss the goal that they really could be setting and accomplishing. And so goals can go amiss. But I want to read this scripture to you in the Amplified because this is not just saying, I want you to be afraid of the big bad guy in the sky with the lightning bolts. No, it's saying so much uh, differently than that. Proverbs 9.10 in the Amplified said, the reverent fear of the Lord, that is worshiping him and regarding him as truly awesome, is the beginning and preeminent part of wisdom its starting point and its essence, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding and spiritual insight. In other words, what it's saying is, this is not someone to be afraid of, per se. This is someone to be in awe of. God is an amazing God. Psalm 40 says that so many are the thoughts and plans he has for your life. They're more than can be numbered, and they are wonderful plans. And so before we ever set our goals, we should ask God, what should my goals even be? Acknowledge God say, your ways, even though they are higher than my ways and they are different than my ways, I want to know your ways because I trust that you have my best interests at heart. You know, sometimes, just bringing the wow to our now right now, just thinking about it, I think all of us human beings have moments, maybe even in every day and every week or every month, where we're just kind of going against the grain of what we know God would be telling us to do. We're just not walking in a lot of wisdom in something, and maybe we just are a little stubborn in our way, you know, and all of that. And, and you know, we think, you know what? I'm kind of getting away with this, and it's kind of working for me. Have you ever kind of felt like that, that your obstinate way is kind of working for you? But what I would say is that is true for a while. Sometimes our obstinate way, our little choice, our little way of doing things might even feel like it's working for a while. But the example I would give you is let's say there was a guy or a gal that they wanted to just really live the dream and they, they grab the career, they make the money at any expense, they buy the fancy sports car, they buy the finest clothes, they have the guy or gal on their arm that they want but they get in that car and they drive 120 miles an hour over a cliff, you know? And that's what it can be like. Things can kind of be glitter and golden uh, for a little while, but you can be headed straight and fast for a cliff. And that's why God wants to have uh, preeminence in our lives so that he can guide us on what goals to set and then give us wisdom on how to set those very goals. Um, another scripture that I think is so cool is Matthew 6.31, and it says this, 
So, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, put God first in every way that you possibly can and watch what he does for you. Now, uh, last January, um, I was really impressed in my heart that, you know, I really should be stepping up my prayer life, my Bible studying, all of that, you know? I mean, I'm not just trying to sound cliched. I just knew that what I was doing was a little bit lame, you know, and that I could really be doing better and that I would benefit from doing better. And, you know, but I'm a projects person. I love to do projects. I have so many projects I'll never get to because that's how many projects are on my mind. And there's so many things, even just in my peripheral vision, like there's that closet I should clean, and there's, that, there's those photo albums in the basement that should be organized, and there's just these things. They're not really in front view, but they're enough in the peripheral vision to bug me and weigh me down. And so, you know, you can talk yourself right out of having time with God to learn his ways and to walk in his ways, because you're not really reading the Bible or doing things like, coming to church and getting involved in connect groups and learning his ways and praying and all of that kind of stuff. So anyway, God was kind of dealing with me that, you know, you're kind of you're lame. You could be doing better. So I said, okay, all right, enough is enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just buckle down. I'm going to make this prayer time and Bible study time better in the mornings. And I found some really fun ways to do it. My husband's been sharing that and all of that. Well, I tell you, the things God started to do on my behalf, because I was putting him first, were astounding. I'm not just talking about pretty cool. I'm talking about astounding. Now, guys, shut your ears. Ladies, listen to me. My husband, out of the blue one day, he comes to me and he says, hey, come here. I want to show you the basement. I'm like, all right. Takes me into this obscure back room that has always been a catch-all for all kinds of junk, and this place is shining and glittering and beautiful and organized. He goes, I've been working on this the last month, a little bit every day, he says. And I've been taking loads and loads of trash out. And he says, I've been cleaning this room. Then he goes, come here, I want to show you something else. Now I am like, I love you. I love you so much. He walks me over to underneath the stairwell where there's that closet. You put stuff that you never want to touch again. That closet, he goes, look at this behold. And I look in there and it's beautiful under there. He has taken out all kinds of junk. He's organized it. All the stuff in there is pristine and beautiful. The man has even begun to organize the family photos. This is, I promise you, I have never asked him to do any of these things. This is a miracle, women. This is a miracle. <laughs> He, and he's always been a good guy, but why should he organize the family photos? It's just that somehow, some way, and I'm going to call it God, he got into really busy doing stuff that had been weighing me down, but he never knew. I never brought that stuff up to him. But that happens all the time in my life. Even on a daily basis, I say, Lord, I'm putting you first, and I thank you that you've got my back on a lot of other things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will start getting added unto you. You guys, to bring the wow to our now, let's just ask ourselves, are there just some areas in my life that are just a little bit lame? Like I could do better like, you know, let me meddle with you a little, the way pastors do. I just picked on me a little. Let me meddle with you. You pray. You pray every week. You pray every day. 
Do you read your Bible? you read it every week? you read it every day? If not, why not? Why, why, why don't you make that first? Here's a real big one, drum roll. You go to church. Now, obviously, you do. But you go every week, go once a month. What do you do when you put church as a priority? You got a group going? You got some friends at church? You inspire one another to serve God, walk with God closer? You, you have accountability? You know, when I first met my husband, I was in Bible school, so you spend all day learning about the Bible. And so when I first met him, I met him at Bible school. I, I didn't always go to church every week, you know? And so he's like, hey, what's up with that? You don't go to church every week. I'm like, well, I'm learning the Bible every day. He goes, uh, you know, hello. You're supposed to go to church like every week. You're in Bible school. You should know that. I'm like, well, who knew? He goes, you know, you tithe every week. I'm like, yeah, oh, all right. <laughs> you know, I just never thought of it. It wasn't on my radar. Like, yeah, you should put God first in all these areas. And so I'm going to just ask you, is there an area we're bringing the wow to our now that comes to your mind? That you're, you're a little lame in it like I was. And, and God's saying, you could do better. You could prioritize me there. You could trust me there. You could sow that time in. You take that thing that's popping up to your mind now and you make a commitment to God and say, I'm going to do better. This is going to be a new me. This is going to be a new start. You watch in a year from now some of the things. Some of you, I want you to come and tell me in a year some of the stuff God did to cover you because you put him first. And that's an amazing thing. Okay. So ask God first. Bring the wow to your now by putting God first. All right, the second thing is adjust your attitude. Now, attitude is everything. You know, my mom used to tell us that we had a lousy, stinking attitude because we did. And, you know, the, the truth is we could have got that basement done. If we had the right attitude, we would have got that basement done. That giant goal would have been met. And you know yourself with giant goals, half of our problem is we get an apathetic attitude about something. I call this hot potato management, and I'll tell you why. You remember when you were a kid and you sat in a circle and you played the game of hot potato? And what they would do is play music and everybody would act like it was a hot potato and they'd move the potato around the circle and, you know, if you got it, you passed it to the next person real quick. And if the music stopped and the hot potato was on you, you're out of the game, okay? And this is what happens to us sometimes with our attitude is we take ourselves out of the game because of a hot potato. Now imagine that a scalding hot potato confronts your attitude today. You're in a good mood, you're having a good day, and all of a sudden, something comes to your knowledge. Somebody does something that makes you angry. Somebody gives you a bad report that makes you fearful. Something happens that perplexes you, and all of a sudden now, you've got a scalding hot potato in your possession, and you have got to do something. In. Well, you know what? God made you with nerves so that you will get rid of hot potatoes. You're not supposed to keep them. And so what, what you do in the game of hot potato is you throw it at the person next to you. Like, oh, get it off of me. But in life, when we have anxieties, fears, angers, dilemmas, perplexing issues, one of the things we tend to do is we take it, on on the, take it out on the guy next to us. The guy next to me happens to be my husband quite often, lucky for him. But we can throw the hot potato, the scalding hot potato, at another person, blame them, get upset with them, and that is not the right thing to do with a hot potato. But then other times we do this little trick. You ever just keep it and numb it? 
How do you numb yourself? Well, for me, the way to cool down anxiety and hot potatoes of life is just to get a gallon of ice cream. I have never been tempted with drugs, alcohol, anything else. It's ice cream. And I've met a lot of people out in the lobbies that love it too. It cools off a hot potato, but we're not supposed to be numbing our pain and our anxiety with some kind of addiction. Some of you work too hard because you want to numb your feelings of anxiety. Some of you do something else, watch TV, zone out in front of the TV. And so what are you doing with the hot potatoes? Are you just keeping it and numbing it? That's not a healthy thing to do with it. No, the thing that we're supposed to do with our hot potatoes is toss them over to God because God knows how to take hot potatoes and make them into miracles. We're going to learn about somebody who did that very thing. He brought the Wadu is now by taking the hot potatoes of life and making, tossing them to God and making them into miracles. So there was a guy named Moses. He lived 1200 BC. He was born in, to an Israeli woman who uh, was part of the Israelites that were slaves in Egypt at the time. And it wasn't a good thing to be having a baby boy at that time because the Pharaoh of Egypt was putting out a mandate to kill the baby boys. So Moses' mother knew that he would be killed if she kept him, so she made a little boat out of papyrus leaves and she put her little baby in and she sent him down the river where Pharaoh's daughter was bathing. And Pharaoh's daughter took the baby, uh, found the baby, and she raised him like a prince in her home. Well, when he got older, uh, he saw a, an Egyptian abusing and mistreating an Israelite, and so he intervened and he killed the Egyptian. Well, now he had to run because now he's in big trouble. And so he runs away, and while he's away, he has a, a confrontation with the living God. God appears to Moses and he says, guess what, I have a giant-sized goal for you, Moses. I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you, I want to use you to deliver your people out of slavery. So Moses is like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. First of all, I don't feel up to that job. I'm not exactly popular in Egypt right now. Not with the Israel Israelites, not with the Egyptians. He says, secondly, I'm, I'm a man who stutters. I can't even put my sentences together. God, I stutter. I'm not your guy. And so then God talks to him. He says, look, I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to perform miracles for you. All of these different things. He reassures Moses. And Moses says, all right, all right, I'll do it. But who do I say sent me? And this is the most wild of the now statement I have ever heard. God said, Tell them, I am sent you. I am. Now, he could say, tell them the, the almighty living God sent you. But he said, tell them, I am sent you. Now, you want to talk about God being the wow to your now. I am says it all. You, just right now, do you feel like you're just so spectacular and up for any task? Or do you relate to Moses? You feel like the guy who's stuttering. That's not up for a giant-sized goal. Well, God is saying it's not all about you. It's about the I am that's going with you. And I am right here, right now, for you to help you go achieve this giant-sized goal. So Moses goes, he tells his people, they're like, hey, getting freed from slavery? Awesome, we're on, signing up, sign me up for that. 
But then the hot potatoes of life just start dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. Every single time a hot potato drops, trouble comes, the Israelites, they throw those scalding hot potatoes at Moses. Every other day they're wanting to stone Moses or complain to Moses and get upset. But Moses, he takes all the scalding hot potatoes and he tosses them to God. And time after time after time, God turns those hot potatoes into miracles and eventually they get out of Egypt. And all the way to the point where as they're escaping Egypt, they hit the place where the Red Sea is, the Egyptians are following behind, and another hot potato of anxiety is right there facing them. They're eminent danger, and God parts the Red Sea. The Israelites go across safely, and it closes up on the Egyptians. So God is just doing miracle and miracle and miracle after, uh, for the children of Israel. Well, finally, he takes them through the wilderness. He miraculously provides food. He miraculously provides water. And he gets to this place where they're just about to go into this promised land of Canaan. And God says, I want you to take this land. Hashtag giant goal. I want you to go take it. And so Moses says, okay, this is what this is all about. We're going to take our new, we're going to move in. And so Moses sends 12 spies out, and he says, go spy out the land, see what we're dealing with, so we'll come up with a plan. Well, 10 out of those 12 spies goes in, and they see some real hot potatoes in there. They get some real scalding hot potatoes confronting them. Number one, there are fortified armies in this land. Number two, some of those armies are giants. The giants of old, like Goliath, big old guys, fierce warriors. And I mean to tell you, this is a foreboding situation. And 10 of those spies get really upset. We're going to read what they say. Two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, they take their hot potato and they toss it to God, and they come out with a completely different attitude. So we're going to look at both of them, and we're going to see what happens. So in Numbers 13, 31, I'm reading about the ten spies. It says, But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it, all the people we saw are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the uh, Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. All right, so that is real, real bad. Now, uh, notice what they did with their, their scalding hot potato. They threw it at Joshua and Caleb. And the rest of the story is they wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb. They wanted to kill them. And they murmured so much that they said, we want to go back to Egypt. So they had forgotten all the miracles God did with their potatoes of, of before. Now Caleb, um, now Numbers 13.30, Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Uh, jumping to 14.8, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Now that is a good attitude. That is someone took the scalding hot 
burn of the threat of the giants and the threat of the four to five armies. And they took the time, Joshua and Caleb, to remember what God does with hot potatoes. And they threw them up to God. And so the long story short, they went in eventually and they conquered the land. Joshua and Caleb did. The others did not because they had a lousy stinking attitude, as my mom would say. So bringing the wow to our now, the question is, you know, what's your attitude about the giant-sized goals in your life, the things God's asked you to do, the things you know in your heart you're supposed to do? Do you have the attitude every time some kind of obstacle comes where you're like, you know, I was better off before. Here I am serving God, I'm doing all these things right, and look what I get for it. No good deed goes unpunished. Or do you take that hot potato and throw it at another person and blame your mate, blame your friends, blame the boss, whatever you have to do? Or do you take your hot potatoes and toss them to God and say, God, I don't know how you're going to work this out, but you are my I am. You am God for me right now and today. I trust. I don't know how. I'm a stutterer. I'm a weakling. But today I trust that I am well able to take those giants. I will eat them like they're my bread. I can conquer the goals you have put in front of me. What are you doing with your hot potatoes? So let's take the wow to our now right now. Let me ask you, what comes to your mind when we talk about something that you could be giving to God a little better? Something floating to your mind right now? Some area that you know you're throwing hot potatoes at the people around you instead of giving it over to God? Let's take the wow to our now and toss that to God. All right, finally, let's talk about this thing, avoiding boredom. You know, I don't care what you're eating, even if it's your favorite food, like some of you love steak. If you take too big a bite of it, it becomes cumbersome and boring to chew. People like me who love ice cream, if we eat the whole scoop at once, we get brain freeze and it becomes unpleasant. And so we have to learn how to break things down into little pieces. Now, there is a TV show that I loved and it's, I love. It's called Chopped. Anybody here a Chopped fan? What they do is they give three to five chefs um, this basket of mystery ingredients. And they, they have really nasty things in there, like pig snouts or 100-year-old eggs or whatever. And the chefs are allowed to use anything in the, in the kitchen that will help them make that palatable for the judges. And if they stick with that giant-sized goal and they do it better than everybody else, they win like $10,000, okay? So the point here is, God the Holy Spirit is a master chef, and he can tell you how to make some of the most unpleasant situations in your day, how to make some of the most unpleasant tasks very pleasant, that you can conquer them. So let's have a little fun with this. Some of you, um, look at this picture. Now, do you think you would eat this? How's that look to you? Pretty good? Yeah, it looks pretty good, right? Does anybody know what the mystery ingredient... If you were here last night or this morning early, don't say... It is not worms, Lori, no. Okay, let's see another picture. Would you eat this? Look pretty good. Would you eat something like that? Any guesses on what that is? How, how do you think that looks? Would you eat that? Looks pretty good. Anybody guessing what this mystery ingredient would be? Here we go. 25 placenta recipes. Easy and delicious recipes for cooking with placenta. You are welcome, everybody. Placenta is very nourishing, and if it's cooked just right, you would actually enjoy it. That's what I hear. Now, I, this, is actually a <laughs> this is actually a book 
that exists on Amazon Books. Now, now that I have Googled this, I am now getting ads from Amazon on other placenta <laughs> recipes. <laughs> Go figure. Anyway, we're going to have a connect group on it out there. Um, Yes, yes, this nutritious, very super nutritious thing called the placenta can be made into something more palatable. I'll give you one more. Anybody have a Nutribullet? That is a placenta smoothie. <laughs> sort of like cookie dough ice cream kind of concept. Um, anyway, God is the master chef, and he can help you in your everyday life. And I rely on him every single day for this. If there are un... Yeah, you took it off. I don't want to torture you people. Uh, every single day, if there's something that I just really would rather not do, I ask the Holy Spirit for ideas on how to do it. You know, even Mary Poppins knew that a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. And every day, I rely on the Holy Spirit to help me do and accomplish the giant-sized goals and how to sweeten it up a little bit and how to break it down into the little bites. And so I want to encourage you, rely on the Holy Spirit. He is a master chef. Do you know, no matter what you're facing, Words from the Holy Spirit to your heart can bring you the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. How about self-control when you're in the middle of tackling a giant-sized goal? The Holy Spirit can bring you the fruit of the Spirit any time you just have to ask him. The Apostle Paul was in a prison with his life being threatened, shackled in what really amounted to a sewer, and he said, do you know what the Holy Spirit showed me? That these light and momentary afflictions are nothing compared to the glory that's about to be revealed. He was able to rejoice in the middle of that kind of suffering and the, that kind of unpleasantry. As a matter of fact, 11 of the 12 apostles were martyred and each and every one of them absolutely counted it an honor and a privilege to be martyred for the cause of Christ. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, the master chef, was showing them how to keep their joy in the middle of that kind of a giant-sized goal. If they can do it, we can do it. If they can do it, we can do it. You can rely on the Holy Spirit. And so I pray that these triple A's will help you keep on track with your giant-sized goals. I would like to talk to you for a minute about the biggest goal of them all. You know, this is a goal that is imposed on every human being. God has given us the air we breathe, and he has given us the life we live, and he has asked that we would use it well. And there is going to come a day, what the Bible teaches us, there's going to come a day we're going to answer to God for how we live this life. And he's going to smile at us, and he's going to say, what did you do with that beautiful life I gave you? And we're going to tell him something very pleasing because we read church a lot and we learn to say, we learn to do the right things with our life. Um, and we're not going to just be able to say, well, I had this big elephant I was trying to eat and I think my good outweighed my bad. No, 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 no. Let's take a bite of the elephant every day and let's look at it this way. You have won February 5th, 2017. I'm going to ask you, are you willing to bring the wow to this now? What about instead of thinking about your whole life at once, you just say, today, I'm going to take a bite out of the elephant. I'm going to live a life well lived today. I'm going to bring a wow to this now, and I'm going to live it with all I've got. I'm going to take a bite today. And what if on Judgment Day, he says, well, what did you do with February 6, 2017? You're going to say, Lord, I took a bite that day. 
I brought the wow to that now too. And you're going to be able to answer that every day you tried to bring the wow to the now, and you're going to say, God, I lived for you. Accumulation of all of that, we tackled a giant-sized goal, and God is going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into my glory. That's, that's everybody in here. You absolutely can do that. Even if you have not even taken a bite of the elephant yet, you can start today bringing the wow to your now. So I want to pray for you. So let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes. And I want to talk to those of you in here that possibly... You didn't even know that God was so good. He isn't that guy with the lightning bolts in the sky waiting to smack you and crack you one for doing something wrong. But he's this guy, this wonderful, wonderful, awesome God who has written about your life. He's made a glorious plan for you. And he doesn't care if you stutter, and he doesn't care if you're weak. He wants to use you, and he wants to take you, but he just needs you to put him first and make him the main thing. And some of you today are ready to do that very thing. You're ready to bring the wow to this now, right now. And he didn't make it hard. All you have to do is make him first today in a prayer. And we're going to say that prayer together. You receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and he'll help you bring that wow to every now that you have. He'll show you how to do it. And we're going to pray together today. If you've never prayed this, if you've never prayed this prayer, pray along with us and mean it from your heart, and you will be a child of God saved for all eternity. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died on the cross to save me from my sin. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord. Be my Savior this very day. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my future. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.